You're listening to the HNC Let's Talk podcast, hosted by Dexter Brooks. Thanks for tuning in to HNC Let's Talk podcast. We partner with subject matter experts to provide candid conversations on health and lifestyle. Here at HNC Let's Talk podcast, mental, physical, spiritual, financial, and health are all connected. This episode of HNC Let's Talk podcast is sponsored by HealthNet Co. Together, we make insurance simple. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dexter Brooks, and I'm your host with HNC Lex Talk Podcast. And I have our great co-host here today with us, Demetrius Raiden Johnson. What's up, Demetrius? Hey, how's it going, Dexter? Man, it's going. And now the day is Tuesday. I feel like it should be Friday. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel the same way, man. <laughs> I really do. I don't know why it's just been one of those when you like when you come off the weekend and your Monday goes by so quickly and then you realize the next thing is already Tuesday and then you go, like, oh, why is it not Friday? Why is know? it not Friday yet? I want more time <laughs> off. I want more time off already. It's only Tuesday. It's like, and here's the thing. I don't look for the weekend. I don't like, uh, I'm way beyond that point of living for the weekend. It's just the point is like, I, I don't work Fridays. So that's one thing. I don't work on Fridays. So it's like I work Monday through Saturday. That's don't good. Work on Fridays. So what's been going on with you? What's new? What's happening? Well, uh, I mean, you here in Denver. Uh, you joined us from Tennessee, and yeah, kind of been uh, relocated for what four or five, four months now. Yeah, it's been about four months now. Um, just back here visiting in Denver, and yeah, like like you said, I've been spending some time in Tennessee, and. I like it out there quite a bit. Um, time in the South has been good. Uh, humidity is good for the skin, I guess. I oh, dude, trust me. I know about that humidity. I'm from <laughs> Georgia. And I, I tell people that I was just telling one of the tenants in my building here because uh, she had been to um, Georgia. And I was telling her the best time to go is in the summer because of humidity. It, yeah. It's, it, it's amazing what it does for your skin. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely noticeable. I mean, when I got here to Colorado... I did appreciate the dry climate once I touched down. Um, <laughs> so I, I did because I've gotten used to that over the last 30 years or so, the dry climate and having to put on lotion all the time and all that. But, um, you know, in Tennessee, the weather is, you know, it's mostly nice. There's a lot more rain out there. Things are a lot more green and lush in, in the South. And so um, I've, I really enjoyed that aspect of things. They've got some mountains out there, but they definitely don't compare to what's here in Colorado. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely different. I can appreciate the South, um, but I do um, I do crave uh, being back here in Colorado from time to time for sure. Well, you know, you always can just change it around and yeah, move back to Denver. Well, I'm trying to live in both places at one point or another. I don't know. I was thinking about you know because it's so cheap to be in Tennessee. Oh yeah, they, and the so, cost of living is completely different than here. Yeah, and that you know, and that can kind of tie into our conversation today about, you know, money and retirement and, and wealth accumulation and all that and different strategies. And, you know, some of that has to do with, uh, you know, regional living, you know, sometimes when people retire, they want to go someplace that's a bit more tax advantageous mm-hmm. or they want, Absolutely. they want to go to a place that maybe, um, the cost of living is less. And so, you know, you know, it's like, hey, I want to make Denver money, but I want to, you know, live like, you know, what that can afford me in Tennessee, you know. <laughs> so that's the the trade-off is, you know, how do you how do you make that happen? 
So, so how do you make that happen? I guess that would be the question. How do you make that happen? How do you make that happen? I think lately it's become a little bit easier to do that. Just with everybody working remotely, um, it has opened up the doorway to, um, you know, being in multiple places at once, I guess, mm-hmm. to some some degree. And, um, you know, I, in my my career, I guess you'd say, my, my working years, um, working in corporate America, I would see that a lot where people would be what they call snowbirds. And so they would spend six months in Florida and six months in New York or, you know, whatever. Oh, they yeah. would, would want to get away. Whenever it got cold, they would go to the warmer climate. And so there's benefits to doing that. Yeah, um, that was my dream, you know, right Right when I started into college, you thought about that, you know, how would you going to live your life? You wanted to have six months here and six months there. Mm-hmm. You know, then as things got changed, I was like, well, actually, we're going to have like three months here, three months there. Right. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, and when it comes to retirement, it's, you know, it's one of those things, that flexibility or that freedom of time. Yes. Say, hey, well, I want to be in Florida right now. Or, hey, I want to be in New York right now. Or I want to be in Colorado right now. And so, you know, for me, that's kind of the, you know, I just turned 42. And so I'm starting to, or I'm always thinking about retirement, but now that I'm, you know, pushing into my forties, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, 60 seems a lot closer. And what am I doing to make sure that um, I'm creating cash flow? that's going to either replace my income or, or better, um, ideally better. Um, You know, a lot of people retire better then they live better in retirement than they did when during their working when they're working years. That is an option. You know, that can be done. Yeah. You know, I I, I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I mean, because think about it. If you have no more bills, your house is paid off. You're mainly just paying taxes on your property, paying utilities. Um, You may or may not have a car payment. um, But now you have all this freedom of time got a social security check coming in and hopefully you've got some money from your 401k or IRA or whatever. Um, maybe you have some life insurance inheritance money um, that has been you know, given to you one way or another. And now you can use that money to help yourself in retirement. And so, um, so how do we get there? How do, how do the average person get to that point? Planning and education. Um, you know, nobody plans to fail. You know, when it comes to retirement, you know, nobody wants to fail at retirement. And I guess failing at retirement. Yeah, I never thought about that. Fail, fail at retirement. <laughs> yeah, I failed to retire. You know, they talk about failure to nobody launch. Nobody failed at retirement. <laughs> yeah. They talk about failure to launch. You know, it's like, well, you know, you didn't make it out of the house. You know, you left the house, you know, way late. You know, but what about failure to retire? It's where you end up maybe working longer than you want to and or need to. Yes. And so that's something that you, you know, generally want to avoid, having the flexibility Say, well, you know, maybe I want to work part time. Maybe I want to work full time. Maybe I want to consult. Maybe I want to turn my hobby into an income stream. You know, being able to have the flexibility to do that in your older, in your later years, I think has a lot of value. It's okay to say older years. I mean, older it, years. It, I mean, it's not, it's not yeah. politically correct, but it's, I would say yeah. it's okay to your say older it. Years. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay with older years. I mean, I'm 42, I, I'm headed towards my, my older years. And, um, you know, I, I value my time a lot more the older that I get. And so that flexibility of time is, is part of my retirement plan is to have that flexibility of time. So when someone started thinking about their retirement and the retirement plan, what are the first, what are, what are some of the steps that they can take? Well, you know, first I would recommend, you know, educating yourself to some degree first, 
Um, secondly, I would recommend, you know, seeking the advice of someone like a trained professional, someone that knows what they're talking about, a coach, someone that, you know, has some experience with either helping other people become wealthy and retire wealthy, or they themselves are wealthy and you just kind of want to mimic what they're, what they've done, you know? And so, you know, oftentimes in the financial advisor space, you know, there's so many people that call themselves financial advisors, but, you know, really look into the person that you're dealing with when you're, you're trusting them with your financial future. And so make sure, you know, what their areas of expertise are Mm -hmm. and ask them where they're not so strong at. You know, if an advisor tells you I'm strong at everything, I know everything, (laughs) you know, that's like, all right, well, all right. I, I, I get that you think that you know everything, but you know, you got to have some areas that maybe you don't focus on Absolutely. Or areas that you don't know some certain things about. And so, you know, knowing what your advisor um, specializes in and what lane that they you know tend to focus on is very important because it may be that you need a team of people. You may need several financial so-called financial advisors. And so, you know, this is my life insurance guy. And my investment guy and this other guy is my real estate guy and my tax guy. You know, you're not limited to just dealing with one financial professional. So when you have all these, um, I guess you say uh, financial professionals in place, how do how do they get paid? Because that's I think that's what people think about right there. Yeah. I mean, they would love to have somebody to give them all this advice. But it's like, well, how do I pay them? And that's important to know, because. That is a hindrance to a lot of people in seeking financial counsel is they feel that it's cost prohibitive when it's it's not, you know, and more often than not, it's not cost prohibitive. Um, okay, so the insurance guy, he gets paid by the insurance companies. He sells you, recommends life insurance products, health, you know, health insurance products, whatever. The insurance company pays him. Okay. That's generally how insurance agents or brokers are are paid. All right. With brokers of the investment type, they're paid by their their broker dealer firm. They sell you commissioned products, and a portion of those commissions go to the broker dealer firm and to uh, the broker, the the individual themselves who sold you the product. Okay, so that's no money out of the customer consumer's pocket, right there. Well, there's not money coming out of the consumer's pocket directly. Directly. Indirectly, money is coming out because if you're paying a sales charge for investments when somebody else isn't, then in an indirect way, your returns are being decreased by the amount of sales charge that you're being. But it's no upfront money, basically. But no upfront money that okay. you're you're not shelling out money to this guy to you know buy these stocks for you or whatever, buy these funds. You're purchasing through these funds or these investments through his firm. They're placing the trades on the back end on your behalf. Um, they're holding the shares in your custody basically. And, uh, the shares are, are in your name and, and they place those trades and, you know, market goes up, market goes down and you, you reap the benefits, um, or, or not, you know, if they go down you lose some money. Um, but they're the broker dealer and they're the broker dealer firm. The individual is, um, you know, he's just, you know, he's a broker. And mm-hmm. so he's he's helping to facilitate the purchase and sale of the product and collecting his piece by doing so. Very similar to how like maybe a real estate agent would also get paid or maybe even like a used car salesman would get paid even. Um, 
So yeah, but when you think about the used car salesman, that down payment for that used car, that's that's your upfront out of pocket. That's, so that's that's the way it amounts <laughs> to be pretty much. I mean, that's about. I, I mean, I don't know how much car salesmen make, but yeah, I would presume that that's about right. Car usually. is about whatever the down payment is. It, yeah. it would end up being, and so that that's just how it works. Now you know, with Series 65 folks and investment advisor folks, um, these folks are paid, you know, a fee based on assets under management. Generally, they have a bit more flexibility in how they're compensated. Um, they could create a financial plan for you and charge you $2,000 for it. And that's, you know, that's the end of that. Or they could charge you um, annually to man- manage a portfolio of investment assets for you. Um, and going rate right now is about 1%. And so investment advisors tend to also hold themselves out as wealth management consultants or they tend to want to handle large pools of money because the rate at which they're paid on that 1% or half a percent or 0.75% annually, um, you know, you got to manage a decent pool of money to make a living off of that as, as an investment advisor. So, you know, if somebody gives me $50,000 to manage for them and I'm going to charge them half a percent annually, that's not a whole lot of money. So, so basically all in all, when you think about it, 90% of the time is not coming out of your pocket. 90% front. of the time, you're not cutting a check out of your pocket to pay somebody to manage assets for you. And that is, you know, the common misconception, I think, is they think, well, how much do I have to pay? How much do I, you know, how much is this? Because, you know, that's what we do. The first thing we do is when we do something, we're going to want to analyze what's the cost. What's the cost? Well, and, and I think that it's okay to do that. Um, I think that, you know, and we talked about this before and you don't want to stretch it too far, but yeah, cost is only an issue in the absence of value. So even if there is a cost, um, you know, you have to look at, well, what am I gaining for what I'm paying Absolutely. at the end of the day to determine value and say, well, is this worth doing or not? You know, do I care that my financial advisor is making $5,000 if I'm making $100,000? No, that's $800,000. But I care, you know, if my advisor makes five. I think he's doing a good job, you know, as long as he's doing a good job, as long as he's doing a good job. So whatever, you know, whatever works for you, you know, I don't think one model is necessarily better than the other. They all exist for their own reasons. Um, I, when I deal with clients, I like the model that I said, I've set up for my firm, my company. And that, you know, puts me in a position to where I'm able to give investment guidance and education and not charge my clients for them an investment advisory charge or, um, any brokerage fees or commissions on any products like that. Um, you know, when I deal with um, life insurance clients, um, again, I'm paid by the life insurance companies. Um, it's kind of a thank you for placing the business with them. As an independent broker, I have my choice of any company to recommend to my clients. And so um, as a way of them rewarding me, I guess, to some extent, they say, all right, well, thank you for placing this business with us. We're going to give you this X amount of dollars. And so. You know, most cases, um, you know, it, it doesn't affect, I won't say most cases, in all cases, um, it doesn't affect the client because their premium is going to remain the same. So unlike investments, when you charge a commission, how that indirectly affects the rate of return with life insurance, your premium remains the same, mm. whether you deal with a broker or not. That's good to hear. So it would behoove you to deal with someone that is a broker that, you know, is an uh, insurance specialist rather than doing it on your own. 
um, when it comes to the life insurance component of your financial plan. And again, you know, in dealing with me, you just so happen to have the benefit of the fact that, you know, I've got 20 years of investment experience to Mm -hmm. go along with that. So as we're talking about your 401k plan and your investment portfolio and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to go back. Hold on. I want to stop right there because I I was listening to this now. We're recording this. So you're live video recorder. You said 20 years of experience. Yeah. Now you guys, when you see this, look at this guy. He's 42. (laughs) He's got 20 years of experience. Yeah. So he walked out, he walked out of, he walked out of school and went right into it. Yeah. I, I went right into it. I mean, I think it was weird because I kind of fell into the industry, like pretty much right after high school. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. It was like, I was like, dude, it's just, it's crazy. It's, you know, when I look back and I'm like 42 years old and, um, the only thing that I know how to do, um, has to do with investments and portfolio management and life insurance. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my whole adult life has been revolving around that. And, um, sometimes I take that for granted, but, you know, I'd like to take the the experience that I've gained and try to, um, leverage that in such a way that it benefits the communities that I care about the most. And so, you know, once I turned, you know, 39 and I hit that 40 and I, you know, I saw that, we talked about this before, <laughs> midlife crisis coming around the corner there. I think, I don't know if 42 or 40 is midlife crisis time, but, um, like, like I told you, you said, no. midlife crisis really doesn't yeah. hit until you hit 50. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's what you said. So I'm going <laughs> to take your word for it. So I haven't, I'm preparing for midlife crisis. We'll say that. And so, you know, I'm like, all right, I gotta go buy a new car and I'm thinking about go buy a few things and, um, you know, and I'm reevaluating my, my financial plan. Um, you know, and it's just something that subconsciously is just in the back of my mind all the time is, you know, what's going on with my financial plan? You know, am I on, am I on track? And if I'm not on track, what do I need to do to get back on track? Yeah. But isn't that something that we do all the time? We need to do every once a year, we need to reevaluate our financials. You have to do it uh, at least once a year. I would recommend for people that are not already wealthy or people that don't have a solid financial plan in place or are not actively working with a financial advisor that they do, you know, a, an evaluation of their plan, maybe send semi-annually every six months. Because if you, if you make that commitment to yourself that, Hey, I'm going to get my finances in order and I'm going to, I'm going to create a, a pathway to wealth, or I'm at least interested in doing that. Then I think that your focus and your actions need to be in alignment with what you're saying. And so you need to spend the time up front to create a good financial foundation for yourself. And then after that, um, every year, you know, check up every year. Um, you know, Hey, how's it going? When I talk to my clients, I normally, I normally every year take my clients out. We go out to dinner. That's what we do because I want to see how they're doing. It's a casual experience. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm dealing with my clients, my clients end up being like, like my, my friends. And so, well, know. that's the thing. That's the thing about clients. They, you need to be so close to them that you know when something's wrong, even you if know, they're not speaking. It. Exactly. And, and you want them to feel comfortable telling yeah, so. you when there's a life changing situation that comes about because yes. me as their, their confidant or whatever, you know, I'm, I need to make sure that I'm looking out for their best interest. You know, Hey, you, Oh, you guys, you know, Joe and, and Mary are having a rough time. They might be having a divorce coming up, you know? What, what kind of conversations do we need to have, <laughs> you know, and that kind of stuff. You know, you got to, 
life changes. Life, life happens. Yeah, it does. It, I happen, mean, it happens frequently. It happens daily. So it really does. I mean, I look at it this way because I tell people you should basically go through the process of evaluating your finances once a year. And I yeah. say you should go through the process evaluating, evaluating your health every four months. Yeah. Yeah. Every, I think that's, I think that's a, a good time to do it. Um, your health is, is so important. Um, chances are before you die, you will become disabled oh, yes. to some extent. Most people don't just die all of a sudden. The fact of the matter is that the vast majority of people don't just die suddenly. Um, they deteriorate and they mm-hmm. get less healthy. And so at one point or another, you know, conversation about disability insurance. We talked about this, um, you know, earlier today. Oh, yes. I'm a big proponent of disability insurance. I tell everybody the same thing. If you're working through corporate America, first thing you want to do is jump on the disability get the dis- Get the disability insurance. Um, you know, make sure that you have it through the employer. You can also have supplemental disability insurance um, that you can purchase on your own. Oh, correct. And that can help fill the gap because my understanding is, and I don't sell a lot of disability insurance, but my understanding is, is that normally through the employer, it's about a 60% um, replacement of your working benefits or so. And depending on who's paying the premium, whether that's the employee or the employer, um, there could be those benefits for disability could be taxed. And so, um, you know, having supplemental disability insurance on your own, going out there and talking to someone, um, I think could be beneficial because, you know, if you got injured, you, know, you have to ask yourself, could you live on 60% of your income? Is that going to be enough? And then you have to think about the, I can tell people you have to think about it. It's like when they look at the PPI on the disability side, they basically go back and look at so many years of how much your income, how much, how much you earned. Right. Okay. For so many years. And then they decide on how much they're going to pay you per month right. out of that 60%. Right. But then the other piece of it is you have to think about if you end up being permanently dis- disabled, right. you have to go get Social Security Disability. That If you apply for Social Security Disability, which is very hard to obtain, they're very strict, uh, it could be years yeah. before you haven't received it. And if you do get approved, it's five months after the approval date that you see the first check. Well, and and then you bring up a, a, a great point, you know, because just as we talked about in the last podcast, it's either you know you have a plan or there's a plan for for you. you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you got to decide what plan you want to be subject to. Oh, yes. You want to be subject to your own plan that you've crafted uh, to take care of yourself as you've gotten older, or do you want to rely on? You know, the plan that has been put in place by various legislators. Um, and do we know what that's going to look like in 20 or 30 years? Oh, yes. And so, you know, it's important to have a plan. Um, you know, again, it, it's also important to find the right advisor, find the right coach, because you talk to the wrong person and they may not have knowledge of what you need. They might not know that you need something. Oh, yes. And so that's not necessarily their fault per se, but it's important that you talk to somebody that has experience enough to know what you need and to anticipate your needs before you need them. And that's when you know you're dealing with someone that knows what they're talking about and that that's, that's good at what they're doing. And because, you know, it's been my experience that people next to their family, money is the thing that they are most guarded about and that they are most... Um, I don't know, emotionally attached to. 
We'll put it that way. Dude, yeah, I can agree with that. But like I just like say, it's, it's, more, it's more important if you're out there, you're listening to this podcast, and you're thinking like, well, I don't earn that much money every year. You earn, I'm going to say this, you earn enough to basically invest in disability insurance. Oh, yeah. Disability insurance is, is very reasonably priced. It's very, I mean, I don't know. I think that, you know, again, and I, I, I will say this probably every podcast, I don't take on any clients and talk to them about investments if they are not properly covered. If they don't have proper insurance in place, whether life insurance, disability, long-term care, they've got to have certain pieces in place for me to even talk to them about investments. Because even though, you know, I no longer have Series 65, I no longer act in the capacity of an investment advisor, um, and I am licensed as a life insurance um, agent or producer or whatever in the state of Colorado, And, you know, with that, I'm held to a fiduciary standard on the life insurance things. But just as a personal thing, um, you know, I have a sense of responsibility when I deal with my clients. Oh, absolutely. It's like, I'm not going to leave you hanging, you know, by just showing you a piece of what you need. So, you know, you got to have make sure you have all your bases covered. Um, Life insurance is not as exciting as as investments, but, um, (laughs) you know. It is what it is. To me, life insurance is exciting um, because when I talk to people about the living benefits of life insurance, that's what gets people excited about life insurance anyway, is the living benefits. What what can you do with this policy while I'm alive? And there's a lot that you can do. And so those are the the fun conversations that I like to have people when it comes to life insurance and creating trusts and and wills. And I'm not an attorney, so I generally tend to punt that off to uh, one of my attorney connections. But, um, you know, crafting people's wealth, like future is like something that I, I take a lot of pleasure and I enjoy doing that. You know, people say, oh, this is what I want my retirement to look like. I'm like, all right, here, let me show you how easily we can put this together in such a way that you will have exactly what you want during retirement, if not better. And it's never too late to start thinking about your retirement, everybody. I tell you that right now. Even if you went to the point that you've been, you've started your retirement, and all of a sudden you had to, you had to jump into it and utilize it. Start it again. Yeah. Don't just give up on it. Don't don't give up on it. I mean, there, your your financial plan is a living, breathing thing. Oh yes. It's something. It's not static. It's not something that you just write down on a piece of paper and, and stick it in a closet somewhere and then just hope that it it comes true. It's not like a wish. You know, financial plan is not a wish. It's, it's, <laughs> you don't blow out candles. You, you know, you, you, there, there's a process to it and there's levels to it. And you have to make sure that you stick to the plan and that you adjust the plan as time goes on. Um, otherwise, it's just a, you know, a piece of paper. It's just a wish. You know, people, people wish to be wealthy all the time. It's, it's you know, a plan takes action. And that's something we ought to talk about sometime because I'm one of the type of person, I don't think about wealth. I just think about happiness. I think about happiness. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, from a, a salesperson standpoint, and I'll, you know, be perfectly honest, you know, most sales, most good salespeople are, are good at tapping into the emotion of their clients and their customers. And when you're able to associate an emotion to a financial decision, Clients are more likely to pull the trigger on, you know, 
closing the deal or, or, or doing the mm-hmm. business. Right. And so I'll let you know up front. Yeah. I want to get people thinking about, um, life insurance. I want them to become emotionally invested in life insurance, the idea of life insurance and what it can do for them and their family so far as creating wealth and creating a system where they're not dependent on a bank or dependent on loans or dependent on credit um, or subject to this you know, predatory economy. Helping people to craft a financial future that looks like that um, is you know something that I take a lot of pride in, and my team takes a lot of pride in. So it's just like if you if you're able to look at this recording, the video. There's a, a piece of art that's on my office wall. It's an apple that's dropping into the water, and I'm going to point it because my my, um, my best brother create did this for me uh, about six years ago now, and what it represents to me is just that that idea or investment is just a drop in the bucket. Just, just, you know, get it started. That's all it is. Yeah. And he knows who he is because I know how much he loves money. So (laughs) (laughs) that's what that represents. It's just an apple. Just think about it. Just start it. Just begin it. You know, don't hesitate to take an opportunity to invest in uh, whether stocks or bonds, life insurance, uh, disability insurance, but make sure you start something. Make sure you start something. Invest in your financial future. Uh, make a time commitment to do that. Some of the best investments that you can make that are profitable involve how you spend your time, how you invest your time. How do you, um, you know, what are you focused on? How much of your day are you focused on your goals? Um, you know, and we talked about during one of these uh, previous podcasts about, you know, harvesting too early, rewarding oneself too early. Oh, yes. And, you know, people talk about we only live once and they're very they're very much in this cycle of constantly rewarding themselves for small accomplishments. Meanwhile, the long term goal is escaping them because they haven't let their seeds grow to the level that they need to grow or they haven't let the fruit ripen to the point to where it's, it's, it's ripe to pick and, and, and sweet to eat. They're out there, you know, eating the seeds, you know, just as soon as that <laughs> banana turns yellow, they're eating it or they're eating it when they're, when they're green and they're still on the, you know, on the bunch. And it's like, no, you got to wait a little bit longer, you know, keep feeding it, you know, let it get a little bit bigger, a little bit more miracle grow on it. And, you know, and then harvest it, you know, when you're 60, 65 years old, um, you know, the harvest will be very, very, very sweet if you have a disciplined approach to your, your financial planning and the seeds that you sow throughout your working years. All right. So, Demetrius, what would you like to leave with our guest today, our audience? Well, you know, I just like to leave uh, the audience with, um, you know, one, I'm always going to refer back to the secure savings program that I'm working on. I want people to get involved and be aware of that. Please feel free to search that up for Colorado secure savings program. Um, we're working on implementing that um, here, hopefully sometime this year um, having to, you know, do with re- small business retirement planning uh, for the employees and things. Um, so I want people to, to look into that. And I also want people to um, kind of expand their mind when it comes to what retirement um, planning looks like or what that feels like for them. Um, because, you know, with time, me being a believer in the fact that time is your most valuable asset, the flexibility of time, the ability to do what you want with your time 
um, is, is huge with me. And when it comes to like, you know, why am I going to work every day? Why am I making this check and, and paying all these bills? Like, what for what purpose? To what end? Uh, I think that, you know, I want people to start focusing on, you know, hey, how can I pinch some money away so that I don't have to do this anymore if I don't want to? So where I don't have to work, how do I replace my income? I think, I think when it comes to retirement, you know, have people to think about how to um, facilitate income replacement. How do you make that happen? And so, um, you know, until our next podcast, you know, be thinking about maybe some ways in which people can do that. Real estate, stock market, life insurance, there's a number of ways that it can be done. Um, but just to, you know, be thinking about it ahead of time, you know, 20 years ahead of time, not when you're at, you know, 65's, you know, doorstep and you're like, oh, how do I plan for retirement? <laughs> you know, think about it now. Absolutely. All right, Demetrius. I want to thank you again for joining us, Demetrius, at HNC Let's Talk Podcast. And I want to thank all our listeners listeners uh, that are in North America, Europe, and Asia. So we're, we're like really expanding rapidly. We're growing. Pretty, That's we're, awesome. We're I'm growing. happy to see that. We're growing. And until our next podcast, which hopefully will be soon, everyone be well and be safe. <laughs>